Welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. You're listening to Lauren. I'm usually joined by co-host Vix, but this is a special baby-sode with an interview with Cara Tune. A standard Wonderfully Done show is all about Vix and I, two horny sweethearts in Australia, answering your questions, your curiosities, and sharing advice for anything to do with sex, love, relationships, and anything in between. We're passionate about inclusivity, about supportiveness, empathy, and more kindness in the conversations that we have around sex, dating, and relationships. Uh, We offer listeners the opportunity to ask questions and have a conversation with us about what's on their minds, what they're listening to, what they're living through. The only rule that we've got is that it's strictly a shame-free zone. Uh, Vix and I are not professionals in the field of sex therapy or psychology, just really a couple of sex and relationship nerds uh, that want to bring some wholesomeness um, into the culture that's around these kinds of conversations. And it's wonderful if if the conversations we have are a jumping off point for you to get some extra help, some extra resources and continue the learning. So let's get on with the show. Today, I'm super pumped to have Kara. She is a good old friend of the show. She's been there since day one. And I'm really excited to talk to Kara today just to nerd out around fan art and fandom. Kara, how's it going? Really good. I'm really, really excited to fan out about fan art with you today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am a artist and graphic designer and illustrator um, living and working in Melbourne. Um, Yeah, so that's my little thing and I love fan art. So Cara, fan art is a really broad thing and I think a lot of people kind of keep it as like a dirty secret in their lives a little bit almost but for me you know fan art or getting involved in fandom has been something that I've done ever since I had access to the internet. How about you? Please tell me your fandom story. So I got into fan art in the way that I think I I believe a lot of people do or at least certainly they, they seem to have in Melbourne. And that was through anime and manga. So I'd be like super into reading Ranma um, or Inuyasha um, or Sailor Moon, you know, all of that uh, classics. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I would just really want to um, really want to sort of read more content around that. And um, the internet just had a vast, vast, vast amount of um, <laughs> of content in that area. And I was, yeah, I was quite young when I sort of started to interact with it, probably when I first got in onto the internet when I was like 11 or 12 or like around that sort of area. So I would say at the beginning it was like quite chaste, you know, (laughs) quite quite, um, sweet and adorable and whatnot. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) And that was just the beginning. Oh, it was just the beginning. (laughs) Uh, Characters would kiss and I'd be like, oh my God, they're kissing. (laughs) I can definitely relate to that because for me, it was, you know, my, my family got a computer pretty early and got the internet pretty early. And then the middle school that I went to when I was 13 was a laptop school. So that was like much more connected to the internet than some other people that I knew. And again, it was, yeah, it was the media that I was so into at the time. So I think Harry Potter fan fiction was the thing that was semi-popular um, in my middle school years with other with other kids. And then me being super into Sailor Moon and Googling things like Sailor Moon wallpapers, eventually finding like uh, Sailor Moon fan fiction 
But then literally the first fan fiction I read for Sailor Moon was literally like Sailor Moon and Sailor Venus having sex in a river or something. (laughs) Like that was like the first one I ever read. And I was like, what the hell? I would have been like, I would have been like 12 or 13 or something like that. And I was just like scandalized and fascinated immediately. (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds pretty formative. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, I'm not straight. (laughs) I was just like, this is amazing. What the shit? And, like, I had no idea about sex ed at that point and all sorts of things like that. I think the girls at school, because my my school was an all-girls school, they would talk about being in Har- into Harry Potter fan fiction, but none of them would talk about the... The, the shippy or the more sexual stuff that they that they had read everyone would only talk openly about the stuff that was like g or pg rated did you have like classmates at school and stuff that would talk about it with you uh yeah definitely i mean i think my close friendship group quite a lot of them were into um fan fictions and things like that i think a lot of the time yeah i think for the most part most of my friends were like yeah into the like more gpg sort of stuff um although i did have one friend like i think we all have that one friend that that was like and they smash right and i and when i was younger i was like no that's incredible um but yeah i um (laughs) I think, yeah, I had a very similar experience, but yeah, definitely from like, I, I, I knew of the Harry Potter fandom and all that sort of thing. I think I came at it, yeah, more from, it's weird, like, I think my first explicit, um, quote unquote, um, fan fiction that I read was like a Dragon Ball Z one. And it was like, it was really cool. So like, I was super into Egypt at the time, and there was like, a weird Egyptian, like, AU, which is, um, alternate universe, um, where like, <laughs> Bomber and Vegeta were like stuck in this like Egypt thing and like <laughs> they ended up having sex all the time and stuff like that. <laughs> and um yeah, it, unfortunately it was a thing where it was like and I I this has probably happened to everybody as well, but like it was that thing where I I was exploring at the time my interest and I was a very sort of I was a young woman that was like uh, I really wanted to stay a kid you know what mm-hmm. I mean I, mm-hmm. while all of my peers were like really hungry to like be adults I was very mm-hmm. much a, like no I just want to stay a kid being a kid is simple I love playing I love like being childlike and I think in a way some of that still remains but like so I was I was putting my feelers out but I wasn't really like reading too deeply into like the sex scenes or stuff like that because I don't want to say chicken out but I'd be like oh it's too, <laughs> too much and I would like scroll I like scroll down um and unfortunately my dad caught me looking at it one time and he he kind of like made fun of me for it um and it really brutally like ruined I think it set me back like a really long time because I was basically like this is a shameful thing and I shouldn't look at it and like I've been made fun of so it like it really set me back a super long time I think in terms of like actually reading the more explicit side of things but like yeah it was I can (laughs) I can absolutely relate to that because I when everyone's like I'm reading Harry Potter fan fiction I was like cool and I'm a very fast reader so when I was reading what they were reading I was then like cool I've read it and then I would go into the more explicit stuff and for me it just made me feel cool and interesting because 
it felt like I had secrets. Like, even though I did not understand much about pornography and didn't understand much about sex or sexual content, it w- it felt clear to me that I wasn't supposed to be reading it. So it made me feel more adult or more interesting to be doing something that I felt I wasn't supposed to be doing. And so I was reading a bunch of explicit Harry Potter stuff, mostly like Draco and Harry shipping type of stuff. And I was a friggin' idiot and saving Word docs full of that stuff onto like my family PC desktop, like a fucking, like a fucking nub. Like, what the hell am I even doing? And so my parents also caught me and they sat me down and basically said, honestly, as soon as they sat me down and I knew it was a conversation about me having that stuff, my brain just went into white noise. I literally don't have a clear memory of what the fuck happened except for the crushing embarrassment. Yes, <laughs> so yes, yes. I was the same. And then I was like, okay, I have to learn how to like hide my shit better but I was also like in the shame bucket about that stuff too so I can really relate yeah I I actually find that really heartening that in the beginning and I'm sure like later on Mm. it gave you a sense of power I actually really like that that's very cool (laughs) (laughs) It, it felt like I was doing something for myself or I was forming my own interests because I think I'd I'd accidentally come across pornography like on like I think I had to do a school assignment about uh, TV channels and so I tried to look up Channel 10's website and if you did 10.com it was a porn website and and so I accidentally went on that at a school library and was also like traumatized but no pornography looked at all welcoming to me and it was no. somehow the bridge between something familiar, which was these cartoon characters or characters from books that were familiar, mixed with this unfamiliar element of sex that somehow made sex or attraction less scary because pornography was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well, no, 100%. Because pornography, especially back when we were younger, I, I feel, mm. it felt very kind of like, this is going to sound weird, but like almost sterile. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was very mm. much like lots of piv penis and vagina like Mm. and it very hard to penis and vagina like two people walk in a room and then they just start banging and like for me definitely as a young person that was very scary and very like uh like too much kind of thing whereas yeah if you like know the characters this is gonna sound weird but i almost feel like it's a more probably shows a more natural version of the truth in in a way so like you know because you have two characters they do know each other they have some kind of previous relationship or whatever and I'm not saying that sex always has to be this way but like as a young person I guess that's how you maybe you imagine like two people would get together or that that the sort of logic train that goes Mm. across that track is like makes more sense like they know each other there's tension building like they're in a place where they're safe that kind of thing Yes. Um, versus They're having just a relationship. Like, yeah, versus like two strangers just like, you know, like banging on like a table or something. <laughs> You're totally right because so much pornography then and a little bit now, there isn't time for character development and there isn't time for narrative and there isn't time for this, all of like the weight of their their dynamic and their shared history and stuff that makes the sex really emotionally connected. And for me, it's like, of course, there's all kinds of sex that's out there, but emotionally connected sex is awesome and not a lot of pornography experiences will offer me that. And so fan fiction and fan works do. And it's just kind of like intellectually and emotionally stimulating in that way. 
Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I actually have a friend who sometimes um, she reads fan fictions, and she has said that to me quite a few times, where she's like, I really actually can't get into porn that much because there's just mm. no intellectual element to it whatsoever, and that just doesn't do it for me. Whereas, like, fan fiction is the opposite of that. You're engaged mentally sort of as well as physically in a way. Yes, and it's very interesting, the comparison, because for me – even in pornography, like or in or in fan art or anything like that, the ships that I really get into and the fandoms that I really get into is primarily like queer male relationship dynamics. Some people call it slash, some people call it uh, yaoi. I'm not going to try and do the correct pronunciation of that stuff, but those are the ships that I get massively into. And a lot of the time, I've tried to like understand why or talk to people about why. And it's like in visual pornography. There's so rarely women whose bodies look like mine or women's naked bodies that don't give me some kind of like body image anxiety or distract me from getting super involved. But then I can just put myself on a shelf when I'm looking at either gay, either like gay pornography or like queer male pornography or male ships like in in fan art and stuff like that where i'm like this doesn't relate to me whatsoever and i can just objectively enjoy it if that makes sense yeah absolutely that makes everything you just said makes so much sense to me and <laughs> yeah. i am a hundred i've a hundred percent been on that journey as well where you're sort of like why does why is this like why does this do so much for me and definitely like I am 100% the same. I really like like the male slash um, relationships. That would sort of be the main thing that I seem to gravitate towards. And I, sometimes I wonder if it's because a lot of hetero relationships that I see tend to be like quite boring or formulaic or like, I don't know, just like not deep or interesting, if that makes yes. sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and for me, it's just like as a queer person as well, if I'm even if say say in the head canon of the creator or even in the canon of the show, if there is a male female pairing, it's depending on the treatment of the author, it might not feel like a queer experience. And usually, as a queer person, I gravitate way more to queer experiences. And I felt a lot of shame about that for a long time, being like, oh, why do I, why can't I enjoy anything that's straight <laughs> kind of situation? But then I'm like, but that's actually my lived experience. This is actually closer to my lived experience. And it's something that I have to go digging for because traditional media doesn't go there nearly enough, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, just the fact that um, fan art and fan fiction is like has such a huge and prevalent following around the world suggests to me that there's definitely a massive gap in media like around that exact thing around these exact kinds of stories because mm, um, mm. the I also, big media sorry. are cowards. <laughs> <laughs> big media are such cowards. Holy crap. I, mean, I also want to talk to you a little bit, Kara, about where the jumping off point was for you from consuming works to actually creating works. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were basically simultaneous. <laughs> That's amazing. Good on so you. So I, uh, there are some fan fictions floating around out there that I wrote when I was so, so fucking young. Like, I was like 12 or 13. I definitely wrote, like, many multiple chapters of the Ranma stuff. I definitely wrote, like, um, yeah, and then, like, I think it was, like, Ranma, and then it was Lost, um, So Into Soya. <laughs> oh, my God, amazing. The Soya Lost and Kate forever. Incredible. Um 
And then, (laughs) I guess some pirates. I can't, I'm actually trying to remember what my first, like, queer, what, what, like, first launched me into, like, like, you know, the slash sort of part of the fandom. Because I'm like, what? What was it? Because I feel like I've been, like, shipping Slash for so freaking long that I'm like, <laughs> which was the first one? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying to think I'm trying to think so, too. Mine was definitely Harry and Draco from yes, Harry Potter. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Oh, I know. I know what it was. It was uh, Dean and Castiel on Supernatural. Oh, that's a classic for many, many people. Destiel, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Des- Destiel five name. ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it brings me so much joy yeah i think mine was mine was definitely harry and draco my mum and my sister were really into supernatural but i didn't get super into into that um i was very into um hanagram later on uh, so yeah yes yep. yes 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 the i have fandom i have definitely done fan out of that uh, <laughs> incredible 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 have you i um, mean would you sorry please go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, have you ever made fan art or fan fiction? I, I'm i not a visual creative person, so I haven't made fan art. In terms of fan fiction, I haven't exactly made, made fan fiction. I've been a big consumer, and when I was really young, I did a lot of, like, text role-playing on the Neopets, um, f- like, friggin' forums and shit like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and mostly that was all original original stuff. Um, yeah. I had a friend at the time who had a pretty, like, a semi-famous webcomic, and uh, we were friends, and I would help them work out character stuff by doing original character text roleplay with their characters from that webcomic. I know it sounds really weird, and it was really weird, so most of my writing was quote-unquote original for a long time. Yeah. Um, and some people do text role play in a character voice. And I always really admired that because I'd never done writing where you're really trying to, um, b- bring a certain character to life. I'd never done that in the text role play that I'd been doing. But then honestly, in, you know, in our year of Luigi 2020 in the hellscape <laughs> that it is, I have, I have fully, um, regressed into fandom. I've gotten massively into the Fire Emblem Three Houses fandom, and I've actually done a hell of a lot of text roleplay that's actually in character, and that's the first time for me. And I'm turning 31 next week, so... Oh my god, you know, I'm so, so you're proud ne- you're of you. You're never too old. <laughs> oh my god, well well done. That is so fucking awesome, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly admire fanfiction writers so much for being able to carry a narrative completely themselves because I've always had to or my comfort zone is writing with a with a partner like doing like they post I post they post I post um and so for me the thought of just doing a fan fiction I would literally need to write it from only one character's point of view because trying to include multiple points of view my shit would just fall apart I think (laughs) (laughs) it's um yeah the process of writing fan fiction is interesting and it's quite different it's quite different for like lots of different people I'm discovering um because I was quite um because I was quite I mean it was once again like a very secretive thing I guess that Mm. I didn't really talk to that many people about 
Um, it's only like probably in the last year or so that I started talking about it, I guess, more frankly on the, I mean, on Tumblr, which is where I tend to post a lot of my like fan art and fan fiction and things like that. Just awesome. literally being like, this is how I write fan fiction, mm. whatever. Um, and, um, <laughs> Tumblr and was ha- so friendly for that. Yeah. I, and, uh, I mean, RIP. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they definitely, I've definitely had quite a few different, like authors jump on that thread and be like wow it's so interesting that you write in that way I write in this way or I write in you know xyz or like you know I it's so weird because I always thought that everybody would write the same way and they don't Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah that's completely fascinating yeah I've definitely seen some of the fan fiction writers that I really love and follow in the Fire Emblem fandom, they totally write differently. And lots of people will do a one shot, which is just like one chapter. It's just exploring one idea. Usually it might be long, it might be short, but one chapter. And then there's people that do these great epics of like multi-chapter amazingness. And you mentioned the difference between canon typical fan fiction and then the alternate universe stuff where, you know, in the Fire Emblem fandom, because that's a game where, depending on your choices, characters will die and will turn on each other and not everyone gets a happy ending. There's a huge drive in the in the fandom to fix stuff. Not because they not because they disagree with the fandom with the canon necessarily, but a lot of them are like, in this one, this character lives, blah blah blah. And that can be really nice when you're like, oh no, my babies, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. My precious beings. <laughs> mm, mm. What so, Kara? What do you think? Say, you know, you you work in a creative field and you and you create things yourself. You know, like original content. What? How would you relate to fan fiction and fan art made based on your work or your own IP? That would be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I um I work in the games industry, so everything that I make is reflective of those games. So. If I was to make original work, yeah, I think I would, I think I would really, I think I would really love it. Yeah, mm, for sure. Mm. You'd read I mean, all of it. You'd look at all of it. <laughs> uh, I think I would dabble. Because <laughs> I think there would be some stuff where, I mean, I mean, it's almost the same as looking at, it feels like almost the same as looking at what other people do with fan fiction. Because you, you know what you like, you know what your brand of sort of fan fiction is, so you kind of have to go looking for it. Like you kind of have to dig through a fandom and like look through a few things and, and look for somebody whose writing style you enjoy. And, and so, yeah, you, I imagine that if it was my own stuff, I'd probably read something and be like, Oh no, no, that's like, (laughs) like I'm glad they can enjoy it. And I'm glad that they're having a good time, but that's, I'm not going to read that. They can can just have fun with that on their own terms. (laughs) Yes. I feel like it would be so unusual to, for example, I sometimes think about what it must be like to work in TV shows, for example, where your episodes or seasons in and then there's a whole fandom out there that loves to ship a certain character or they want a certain dynamic uh, and things like that. And as writers, I think you'd want to be careful to not have your work get too colored by that, if that makes sense. I feel like that's what I'd be concerned about to be like, oh, no, now I've seen what people want. I'm going to accidentally write that instead of my own vision. I guess I guess so. (laughs) I don't, I'm a bit conflicted about that because it's sort of like, 
I think that a lot of the time TV shows and like, and things like that can once again, yeah, follow a sort of formulaic path. Like if a guy and a girl are, you know, come together on the screen, they're going to end up hooking up and that's what happens most of the time kind of thing. And I think sometimes it can be valuable to look to look at the creativity that the community is presenting and like, I guess, I don't know, be inspired by that maybe. I mean, it, it, it happens quite a bit with like content in terms of like, once again, in terms of the video game games that like I've worked on, that happens where we, we see what the community is excited about and we try to incorporate that because, you know, we want to please them basically. Um, and we want them to have a really great experience. And like, for, like it, before when you mentioned Hanagram, um, that was a thing where um, the fandom was like really, really dedicated and really loyal and really vocal um, about really being into um, Hanagram, which is Hannibal and um, Will Graham getting together. Um, and Brian Fuller saw that and he was like, you know what, I actually really like this. Um, I really like this take and I want to lean more in that direction. So he, he kind of leaned more and more towards that. And I actually, I'm actually watching the third season of, um, Hannibal right now. Um, (gasps) because I, I think back when it came out, I was going through some stuff or something and I was like, Mm. I'm just going to put this on the back burner. Um, because it is pretty dark and intense. (laughs) It is really dark and intense. Um, for sure. But I, I feel like, yeah, he, I don't want to say he turned it into a bit like into a dark love story because of the fans, but I definitely feel like it was something where he was like, awesome, there's interest there. That's the kind of story I want to tell. That's the kind of story that like I'm excited about. And if they're excited about it, then I'm going to push the show more in that direction. I love that. And I think Brian Fuller himself is a, is a gay man, I think. And to me, when you have diverse creators and it's more natural for them to think of those things as being possible and not a big deal and not pandering, you get better, more queer results in the content made. Yeah, a hundred percent. You get like a genuine, you know, yeah, you get a genuine attempt, I guess. It's not, yeah, like you said, pandering or whatever. You, It feels less false because he can portray it in a way that is realistic. And I mean, it's funny because he's been like a shipper from way back in the day as well. I don't know if you know this, um, but he worked on Star Trek Deep Space Nine um, back in the day, um, which was late 90s, I think it came out. And there were two characters in it, which I am currently shipping. Um, and it was like this alien lizard dude and the like main doctor on the station um and he actually hardcore shipped them as well and he still he still posts about them sometimes like this year on star trek day it was like um it the quote that they did was like grab someone you love and and sit down for like star trek day or whatever um and he posted a picture of the two of them and were like garish here forever like (laughs) and i was like yes brian for like yes That is so wholesome and sweet. I mean, honestly, on the flip side of wholesome and sweet, talking about Hanagram as an example, something that I think is very interesting is that I think uh, fan fiction and fan art lets us explore 
situations and dynamics that are maybe harmful, maybe, I mean, like, things like quote-unquote dubcon is very popular in fan art and fanfiction, short for, like, dubious consent, or even non-con, like, non-consent. And I think that fan art and fanfiction is so interesting in terms of the way that they explore that. I think a lot of creators do a good job of putting content warnings and things, but it's like, I don't usually want to see pornography where um, there isn't negotiated consent or it's looking like uh, this relationship or this sex is very harmful for someone. But when it comes to fan fiction and fan art, like the the Hannibal and Will Graham dynamic, that literally is not a good situation for Will to be in. It's, like, it's to the be, worst. To be, it's, it's so bad. But still, it's really compelling. And I think that's given me space to not to cultivate <laughs> an interest in under-negotiated kink, but I think it's a very interesting outlet, maybe. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. I And I sort of feel like there's, yeah, there's always that, that dual part of you where you'd like, where you, yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if it's like part of, not wish fulfillment, but like, what's the word? It's like fantasy, you know what I mean? It's like why why people role play, you know, do sexy role play basically. Because <laughs> you're like, I I don't want to be like, <laughs> I don't want to be like a milkmaid or like I don't want to be like I don't know uh, a soldier, you know, like you know out doing war or whatever. I don't know whatever your like kink is, but you're like I don't want to be that thing. I just want to play at doing that thing. Um, yeah, but you're you're so right. It <laughs> it is like a really interesting part of um fan fiction where there is so much of so much of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> people have preferences, you know, there's people that really like really like fluffy, you know, really like fluffy, super domestic, really sweet stuff, especially if the storyline itself gets really sad or characters really suffer in the storylines. Like again with Fire Emblem, like these are a whole bunch of kids that like train together in an academy and then go to war where not everyone's going to live kind of thing. So people love to put them in fluffy alternate universes where no one had to learn how to kill each other. But then for me, I like it way more when it's like it's messed up and it's really angsty and it there's violence, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't want that in my personal dating life at all. Like I don't want, I, I do not have high conflict relationships, but I love that in the fan works. It's just, it's just exciting. It's just yeah. very, very emotionally and intellectually engaging. A hundred percent. Well, and I think it provides an interesting sort of like vulnerability. So like, you know, mm. with like, for example, I definitely uh, like love and look for a story where like it's like one character has to like take care of the other character or like one character is like really emotionally like compromised or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, I I love that angsty shit. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm, you're like, mm, I just mm. want some angsty slash. Give me that angsty slash. Um, <laughs> and then I'm just like, but I'm also like this like you said yeah like this i don't i don't i don't want this i don't want like an, an angsty man who has like got many problems and doesn't deal with any of them but <laughs> but give me um, the mess when it comes to the fan work yeah yeah but it's but what it well at least how it feels to me is that it's vulnerability like you don't sort of get to experience vulnerability sort of 
a lot. I mean, like I'm single right now. Um, but like, I feel like you don't get to experience vulnerability with men a lot. So I think seeing like angsty, like angsty slashy men situations, it's literally like two men being very, very vulnerable and very, very exposed with each other and sharing like really deep, like important parts of themselves. And you sort of don't get to experience that vulnerability a lot in real life. Um, That's a great point because I definitely feel like it helps me actually relate to men better and also them and their sex life. You know, often when I sexualize sexualize men or I'm seeing men in pornography, they're in such a position of power so much of the time, except if you're looking at like certain kink stuff. But in but in fan works, when, again, there is someone really like compromised or it does involve that emotional care, it's often a softer, more emotional or more relatable side to men that overall makes men more appealing. <laughs> I think, uh, look, I'm not sure of the exact statistic, but I think it's something like 80%, 70% or 80% of the fandom is of like fandom artworks and um, fandom fan fictions and stuff is created by women. So it's like a massively female sort of dominated area. And I think that's why, once again, we connect like really strongly with these male characters because they are male characters as presented by women so like yes men yes. with like the natural well not natural emotional depth but like the more common i guess like emotional depth of like mm. women mm. um which is uh, super attractive <laughs> <laughs> and so often like on wonderfully done vix and i have talked about the the really unfortunate mindset that many men have where they think that their dick size is super important, having abs is super important, being tall is super important, these like really abstract specific physical things. But if you look at what women in like in fan fiction and fan art are obsessing over, it's it's intensity, it's communication, it's connection, it's the dynamic, you know, it's like it's the interesting push and pull of a relationship and like that is what's really sexy. Uh not not what men have told other men is important. <laughs> you know exactly, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. I yeah. Ugh. I can't <laughs> count the amount of times dudes have been like, oh like, you know, it's so that matters right and I'm like no, no it's not you tiny fools <laughs> <laughs> yes that's a hundred percent it like it, it comes up it comes up so often and it makes me really sad because like for me another another uh quote-unquote problematic ship that I really like is like Thorki like Thor and Loki from like the Marvel universe yeah and in that universe, like Loki, you know, Loki's effeminate, androgynous, like can be very easily queer read and things like that. And so often when it comes to superhero stuff, which is male driven content, often for a male gaze, men are making so many assumptions about what makes a man hot and still totally like missing the point on things. So when you actually see a movie treating Thor's body, like actually sexualizing Thor's body in a more vulnerable position, like in the scene where he's washing in a bathtub that we all lost our mind about. It wasn't that he had abs, but it was that he was being sexualized with the camera like uh, like the female gaze, so to speak, very differently and kind of vulnerably. And exactly. trying to get that point across, um, I hope we'll see more and more of that kind of thing. Oh my gosh, I hope so too. And I mean, and I hope, <laughs> I also hope that there's like, um, 
I hope that, like, fan fiction and fan art and stuff like that can be a thing that is, that becomes more, I guess, like, normalized as a consumerable type of content. Because, like, when, when we, I can't remember, I think I listened to one of the first episodes of Wonderfully Done, um, and shared it with a, a workmate, and she, she loved it so much, um, and she, um, she, I don't remember if it was her or me that mentioned it. I think it might have been, it just came up naturally in conversation where it was like, one of us was like, oh yeah, I'm into fan fiction or whatever. And the other one was like, oh my God, me too. And like, it was just this weird thing where I was like, holy shit, like I have met someone else in the real world who will t- like, who like knows about it and will talk to me about it because I thought that if I wanted to talk to anybody about it, it had to be somebody online because I don't think I've almost ever talked to anybody about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's genuinely so strange and it's such a tentative it's such a tentative thing because I don't want to make any of my friends uncomfortable and you know my spaces online are like semi-professional but obviously like I'm running a friggin' sex podcast like I'm pretty open about a whole bunch of stuff but still when I want to talk to people, you know, even I found a friend recently also likes Fire Emblem and is also like shipping my favorite ship and stuff. And and for her, I'm like, great, I want to recommend fanfic. But then I'm like, I'm still mentally censoring how explicit the things are that I'm <laughs> sending her because yes. I'm like, I don't know how far to go. I don't want to make someone uncomfortable. It's yes. a weird quasi porn friend relationship. <laughs> like, yes. it's, it's very it's a bit it's a bit odd to try and figure out the boundaries there. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, it's so a little true. bit strange. <laughs> yeah. So I, w- I wanted to ask, like, the way and talking about it being slightly sexual or like a, you know, by, uh, I think you can't assume too much about what someone's actually into or what someone's actually like based on the fan fiction they like, because this stuff is an exploration of fantasy and things like that. But something that's been really surprising for my partners or friends that I speak to about this, they feel like I must use fan fiction or fan art the same way that they might use pornography and that it's a huge part of masturbation for me. Whereas for me, it's like it's like reading romance novels. I will enjoy reading super explicit, really intense, whatever kind of fan fiction. And I'm on the train and then I go get groceries. Like it's not always a huge part of like getting off for me personally. And I think that's a bit weird for some people to conceptualize. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Because I think most people who haven't interacted with fan fiction assume that like, assume that that is its main vehicle is that it is pornography full stop. Um, which is like, yeah, it is really fascinating because I I sort of feel the same way that you do, I think, in that it's it's a thing where it's like, I mean, it, it really depends on mood, you know what I mean? You're like, hey, maybe I just want to read something romantic, not really in the mood to get off. Maybe it'll have porn in it, maybe it won't. Like, maybe it'll just be like one of those slow burns that there's like 50 chapters and then they kiss <laughs> at the end and then you're like, oh my god. And like, and then you're like, well... It's it's almost like, and I don't want to like, I don't know. It it feels to me like those windswept, like, um, not Bronte novels. Um, yes, not, I know, but, I know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> like, you know, like North and South. There's like, yes. you know, you're like this incredible like fire intention, and like it's gorgeous, and then they're like the last thing is that they kiss, and that's it. And you're like, 
it's the it's the exact same thing and you wouldn't i don't think anybody else in the world would look at that and be like that has to be pornography you're like no <laughs> you're like no it's like it is it is romantic it is enjoying romance you know mm-hmm. but i mean obviously yeah like it i find that yeah it depends on mood very much because there are some fan fictions that are like that where you're like yes i really want like a nice story and then there are others where they're like yeah, this is, like, mainly porn. Like, and you're like, okay, cool. Yes. Whatever I'm in the mood <laughs> for, I know what I'm getting because it's got all of yes. the description points. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about fan fiction is that, unlike other books, they actually tag their stuff. So yes. things are tagged to say what ship it is, what kind of kinks might come up in it, what sort of plot points, what's the mood. And you don't get that in other books and you don't even get extensive tagging in pornography a lot of the time. So I find it really helpful because I'm like, yeah, you know, I've got triggers and stuff that I wouldn't want to read. So authors do a really good job of disclosing that. Whereas sometimes I've read other books and then that's just come up and smack me in the face. So in a lot of ways, fan fiction feels safer because I'm not going to get something massively unexpected, if that makes sense. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I mean, I I can fully sort of like see the perspective of authors where they're like, I really want you to experience this, like this narrative or whatever in, in the way that I wanted it to play out um, in the long term. But I guess there's, there's something very like non- and that's not to say that they're pretentious or anything like that, but there's something very non-pretentious about fan fiction in that it will do that. Like, it'll give you, like, 50 tags where it's like, they'll be cuddling, they'll be, like, kissing, they'll be, like, <laughs> like whatever, and they'll, like, there's hurt in it, there's some light, you know, some light bondage or some light non-con, or, like, that they will specify to the, like, nth degree what exists in that fan fiction. And that is kind of really... I don't want to say it almost feels generous to the reader where it's like, yeah, 100% where it's like, yeah, I, I want you to know what you're getting into in all like for everything because that's what we all like. <laughs> mm. And it's so interesting to me and tickles my brain in a certain way that fan like fan art and fan fiction creators are putting it up there generally for no money. Some yes. authors, some authors ask for tips. Some authors will create a huge work and then quote unquote file the serial number off, you know, change yeah. names over and then literally publish it as original fiction and go you if you do that. I fully support you doing that and getting paid. But it's interesting. It's different to creating and posting your own amateur pornography of yourself because you're offering sexual content that isn't sexualizing yourself in a way that I find very, very fascinating. And it seems like lots of creators are like, this is a way for me to sexually express myself that isn't involving myself and it feels safer for me or more of an abstraction, which I think is very fascinating. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's a, like a lot of what we've been discussing today, which like makes sense because, you know, we're, we're on a sex posse podcast. Um, but like where we haven't really touched almost, almost at all on like the other side of fan fiction and the other side of fan art, which can just be like, fun or silly or like here's that character you like with long hair or short hair or like yes <laughs> here's some comics that will make you laugh like I I used to do I mean sometimes I still do like silly comics or whatever um about you know fandoms 
Um, and yeah, sometimes I get comments from people that are like, oh my God, I laughed my ass off or like, or like I literally dropped what I was doing because it was so funny and like stuff like that. And it just gives me like such a good feeling to know that like I gave that to somebody in the world just because it's for no reason. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I literally made a human stop what they were doing and laugh somewhere on this world just that because so of what nice. I drew. <laughs> so generous. So yeah. generous and so lovely. For one thing I wanted to ask is if fan fiction or fan art, creating it, the community around it, has it helped you learn anything about yourself or how has it benefited you in the past and, and today? It's benefited me um, in many ways, obviously, because I've um, been able to express myself creatively um, through that platform and connect with a lot of people creatively through that platform. Um, But I think it's also been really, really valuable in terms of what it's taught me, not just about myself, um, just not not just about my like sexual journey or whatever, um, but also uh, the things that it's taught me about people, like... There was there was this fan fiction that I read once, which was like a um, Red Dead Redemption fan fiction. Oh my god, cool! Um, yeah, where um, where John um, John and Arthur ended up getting together, um, and they had a um, they had a like like sort of I'm trying to remember what the name of it is, but it's like. A, like a three-way queer relationship, like a triad almost. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with um John's wife and and basically like John and Arthur were together and and John and his wife were together. Um and and John's wife Abigail and Arthur had this like really nice kind of like mutual sort of understanding and like mutual respect and mutual care where she was like, I know my husband loves you and he loves me as well. And like, I'm like, I want you to be part of our family basically. Um, and it, it was so beautiful and it, it's going to sound like funny, but it actually, I feel like it really made me understand why people would dream of having a life like that like oftentimes we see um like straight relationships idealized where it's like you know this beautiful husband and wife have a beautiful child together (laughs) and like they have this beautiful life and and you're like oh that would be so nice or whatever um but I don't think I'd ever seen I don't think I'd ever seen like a triad shown in this beautiful um sort of idealized kind of domestic way um and it was really really cool because it 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 super actually opened my mind to like being like I fully I understand it now like I couldn't understand it before like logically in the past I've like respected it and I've been like if people want it that's cool and I'm behind it and stuff like that but I don't think it 100% clicked with me until I read that fan fiction and I was like oh my god like my mind has literally been open and I get it now and I think I think what fan fiction can give to people is that capacity to understand you know what I mean is to like because these relationships are so rarely shown in media we don't sort of have that depth of understanding that we have about hetero relationships because hetero relationships are fucking everywhere um so yeah I think there's I think there's missed opportunities in media that that fan fiction really, yeah, that really sort of allow people to explore and learn from 
And I think that's an incredibly, incredibly valuable thing that a lot of people don't maybe even know about. (laughs) I'm definitely nodding a lot listening to that because one ship that I got really into would be Connor and Hank from Detroit Become Human. And yeah, and like as a ship, that's like a young, attractive, um, quote unquote, android, and then an old, grizzled, arguably not attractive old man who's an alcoholic and super messed up and... You know, and like that's a dynamic where they, it goes so much into PTSD, it goes so much into grief, alcoholism, um, into like ideation around self-harm and things like that, where there's actually so much compassion and loveliness that happens in so much of that ship that I wouldn't say it's how you get an education on this stuff, but it can make you so much more compassionate. And there's so much more almost creative problem solving when you're making fan works because you're doing something that the canon wasn't doing. So you've got to find a way to get there. And that kind of creative problem solving of what kind of relationship is it? How did it happen? That's a little bit more chaotic, similar to the way that life is, I would say. (laughs) Makes it more human and relatable. I'm conscious of time, but for any listeners out there that are interested in getting involved in creating fan works of their own, how would you recommend getting started? Well, like you said before, there's you can do things where you do like role play with people. You can do things. Uh, I mean, it's hard because Tumblr used to be like a really great place where I would just be like, just go to Tumblr, type in a Tumblr, whatever thing you're into right now, and see see what's out there, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I guess I mean <laughs> I'd love to sort of say just grab a pen, dude, like. <laughs> write it down or draw it or like you know just get into it but I know there are like a lot of people that sort of don't feel comfortable doing that or don't like have haven't sort of had the skills or the practice but yeah I mean for any kind of art I always feel like if somebody's like how do I do this Uh, often I'm just like you just got to do it like just get out there and like put pen to paper and it might not work out the first time or you know you might not be 100% happy with it but just make it, you know, you don't have to like even post it if you don't feel like comfortable posting it. But yeah, I, there's so many avenues. Um, mm. to, like, I really miss Tumblr. Like I really <sighs> miss what Tumblr was. Yes. Um, I think I see a lot of fan art and fan fiction writers on Twitter now. Often they do have just an account that is their fan work that's not related to themselves personally or personally identifiable, but that's where they'll post and say, I just uploaded on Archive of Our Own or I just put this um, put this fan art up. I've also found that a lot of fandoms have Discord servers now, which often can be semi-private, uh, semi-private as a platform. And, you know, and it's it's a discord for a ship or it's a discord for a show or something. And that can often be a really supportive place where people post their work in progress or post snippets of fan fiction and say, how's this characterization or I'm stuck on a plot point. And I've seen yes. that work out really nicely for people, which I think is really nice. So maybe discord for some people out there. Yes, definitely discord for some people for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, getting onto fanfiction.net as well is good. I don't, yeah, I would almost have said in the past, like, DeviantArt and stuff like that, but that's basically gone too. I don't know. I think that there's going to be a new wave of, like, a content platform sometime in the near future because it just seems like when Tumblr, like, fell from grace, it really left, like, a huge, huge hole in the, like, in the 
in the market in terms of, yeah, a space like that that was needed. And, like, Discord kind of fills it, but I don't know. There was always something really nice about having the unexpected. And it's you sort could of... still get discovered by people on Tumblr. Like, it was still oh, findable yeah. and trackable in a way where Discord really isn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You have to sort of be in the know or, like, find find the group or, mm. yeah. Mm. It's very interesting. I've also seen a lot of kids on TikTok these days post about Wattpad, W-A-T-T-P-A-D, which seems like a fan fiction platform that I haven't looked into too much. A lot of people are like, fanfiction.net was okay, now Archive of Our Own is where the more highbrow people do longer form stuff. Wattpad seems more popular with younger people. I don't know too much about the difference. Most of the stuff that I read is on Archive of Our Own, though. Yeah, me too. Me too, Mm. for sure. And Mm. some of my stuff is posted up on there as well. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that's a pretty good segue, Cara. Is there anything that you would like to share with the audience, anywhere that people can say hi to you online, chat to you about the the fandoms that you've listed at all? In terms of where people um, can find my work and things like that, I sort of post relatively regularly on my Instagram, which is just Cara Tune, so that's C-A-R-A. T-U-N-E. Um, and that's, I mean, that's sort of um, my general life stuff, but also some of my like more polished ship stuff. Um, and in terms of my unpolished ship stuff, I probably uh, say my work is still, I'm still posting up on Tumblr in spite of its massive fall from grace. Um, and that's um, at I think it's Seraph 5, so that's S-E-R-A-P-H 5. Um, and you can also find my work on Archive of Our Own, um, and the, I'm the same username over there as well. Dreamy. Yeah. Is that yeah. 5 the numeral or 5 written? 5 the numeral. Yeah, sweet. Awesome. Well, Kara, thank you so much for having a chat with me on Wonderfully Done for this very passionate babysode for something that has really been helping us get through 2020. So I hope you've had a good fun time having some chats. Yeah, I've had a great time. It's been really fun. <laughs> so any dear listeners, if you want to chat with Kara, you want to check out some beautiful art, uh, you want to scream about fandom um, to her and to us, uh, absolutely get in touch with us anytime. You can chat to Kara directly or The Wonderfully Done Show can be found on Twitter at DoneWonderfully. And if you wanted to give feedback anonymously or ask questions for a regular show or there's a baby so that you want to see, you can head on over to curiouscat.qa forward slash wonderfully done. Or of course, you can slippery slide into our DMs as well. And Wonderfully Done can be downloaded wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, you're doing wonderfully.